Merry Christmas Sunday, Purpose Church. We always call the Sunday before Christmas, Christmas Sunday. And it's so good to be together and with the music and just a chance to celebrate the birth of Jesus. I hope you can make one of our Christmas Eve services uh, that are going to be this Friday afternoon and evening uh, in person and online at 3, 5, and 7. I hope you can come and bring a friend with you or watch and get a friend or family member to watch with you. And we just love this season of the year, and it's so great uh, to share Jesus together. Uh, Today, we're going to be looking at a Fear Not Christmas, uh, defeating the fears that hold me back. A Fear Not Christmas, defeating the fears that hold me back. You know, the the whole story of Jesus is bookended by fear nots. There are so many fear nots, as we're going to see in the Christmas story, but then when Jesus rose from the dead, uh, there's uh, a fear not as well. So uh, Jesus coming was all about helping us to conquer and defeat the fears that hold us back. And so today we'll be talking about a fear not Christmas. Uh, everybody has secret fears. I, I know that I do, and, and I bet that you do as well. Um, it might be a fear that everybody, if everybody knew the real me, uh, they wouldn't like me. Uh, that's a legitimate fear that a lot of people have. Boy, if you really knew what was going on inside, would you really still like me or love me? Uh, then there's the fear of insignificance. Uh, we worry and we fear that my life won't really matter. Uh, there's the fear of dying alone. Uh, there's the fear that my secrets will be found out. There's a fear that I'll, I'll never be loved, really be loved. Uh, or find true love again. Um, It's significant that at the first Christmas, as I mentioned, uh, four times the phrase, do not be afraid, is used. Uh, The angels said it to Mary, they said it to Joseph, they said it to the shepherds, and they said it to the father of John the Baptist, Zechariah, when his birth was announced. So there's, there's four different fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not. Now, today, uh, we know that the news of the birth of Jesus Christ is good news. Nothing to be afraid of because we know what's going to happen. But it wasn't good news to the people who heard it for the first time. Everybody was scared to death uh, by the news. In the first story, everybody was afraid. Mary was afraid. Joseph was afraid. Herod was afraid. The shepherds were afraid. Zechariah. Uh, The priest was afraid. Everybody was afraid. And the Bible actually tells us that at the news of the birth of the Messiah, the entire city of Jerusalem uh, panicked when they heard the news that the Messiah had been born. And of course, we have many fears uh, today Um, in our culture and our society. 2021 has been a a scary year. Uh, People are afraid of COVID and its many uh, variants. Um, we're afraid of inflation, and is it going to eat into uh, how far our our income goes, how far our, our money and our spending goes? Is that going to take away our, our power to provide for our, our needs? Um, people are afraid of, of crime. Uh, people are afraid of nations uh, abroad becoming more powerful. And, of course, uh, recently, uh, school shootings at home. 
And so there are just so many things of 2021 that have made us afraid. Rick Warren uh, writes, for millions this Christmas is not a cheerful time, but a fearful time. To them, it's not a merry Christmas, but a scary Christmas. And so we're going to look at some of the fears that people had at the first Christmas, and they're very similar to the fears that we have today. I'm sure uh, you and I are going to be able to relate to all of them, at, at least some of them, but maybe to all five of these fears. The first one we're going to look at is that Mary had to face the fear of inadequacy. You know that feeling where you just wonder, am I up to the task um, for student walking into a new class? And the professor or the teacher goes through the syllabus and goes through what's going to happen in the class uh, that coming semester. And, and, I, and I know that fear. You walk in and they go through it and you begin to think to yourself, am I adequate to handling this new class? A new job. You ever walked into a new job and, and boy, those first days are scary. And you think, am I up to the task? I remember uh, 28 years ago when Kimberly and I and the kids four of our six kids uh, at that time, uh, flew cross-country to be a pastor here at our church. And I remember feeling, am I up to the task? I felt very, very inadequate. Boy, as a parent, it's a daily occurrence to feel inadequate. Uh, so many times we as parents just feel like, boy, am I, am I up to the task of raising our kids? Uh, Sarah Drew, who's an American actress, she said, I'm pretty sure the feeling of inadequacy is universal for moms. And I would add it's universal for dads as well. And so Mary had the fear of inadequacy. It says in Luke 1, verse 29, Mary was greatly troubled at his words. I mean, she was going to raise not an ordinary child, but the son of God. Think how inadequate she would feel to that task to have this young girl uh, up to the task of raising the Son of God, and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name. You are to call him Jesus. Uh, how about you? What's an area where you feel inadequate? What's an area where I feel inadequate? And Jesus came to help us in those areas. Fear thou not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, because I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yeah, I will help you. Yeah, I will hold you with the right hand of my righteousness, God said through the prophet Isaiah. That Jesus came to help us in those areas where we're afraid, where we feel inadequate, where we need uh, God's help. And so Mary expresses in the Christmas story, the fear of inadequacy. Uh, the second fear that we see is, is Joseph. And you know, Joseph is the only character in the Christmas story that we never have him saying anything. He, he's always in the background. He's that solid, steady presence, but we never have him speaking. Zechariah speaks and uh, Herod speaks and, and the shepherds speak and, and uh, Mary speaks, but Joseph never speaks. But Joseph had to face the fear of disapproval. Now, Joseph, reading between the lines of what the scripture says here, was a real straight arrow. He, he was a, 
a rules keeper. He, if he was uh, alive today, he would be a Boy Scout. Uh, Joseph was, was a, a, a real rule keeper. He liked to keep the law. And now he's got a pregnant fiance. And oh my goodness, how that would have rocked his world. He had lived his life for the approval of others, to obey the law, to be known as a righteous man, an upstanding man. And now he's got a pregnant fiance, and, and that is just going to rock his world. It says in Matthew 1, uh, verses 18 and 19, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Um, what a beautiful picture of his stepson, Jesus, that his stepfather, Joseph, was. Uh, really foreshadows uh, Jesus. Because it says here that he was faithful to the law. He, he believed in keeping the law uh, to the nth degree. He, he was a rules keeper. Um, and yet at the same time, he had a soft heart. He, he was an adherent to the law, and yet he didn't want to expose Mary to public disgrace. He didn't hit her over the head with the law. He had law and grace, truth and grace. He believed in keeping the law. He believed in truth, but he also believed in grace. And so he had in mind to divorce her according to the law, but to do so quietly so that it wouldn't humiliate her, so that it would show mercy and grace to her. And that's exactly what Jesus came to do. Jesus was the fulfillment of truth, but grace at the same time. He, he was the epitome of truth, the embodiment of truth. But at the same time, he showed grace and mercy and kindness. Uh, it says in, in, in verse 20, But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Now think about this for a moment. Joseph also missed out on the greatest story, the greatest miracle in all of human history because of his fear of disapproval. He, he, he almost missed out. And how about you? How about me? Does somebody's disapproval, is that keeping us from fulfilling God's plan and story and purpose uh, for our lives? Is that fear of disapproval? Maybe it's keeping you from following Christ. You want to follow Jesus, uh, but the disapproval of other people, what your family might think, what your friends might think, is holding you back from the greatest adventure in all of, uh, in all of life. And so Joseph exhibits for us the fear of disapproval. And then the third fear is the shepherds. The shepherds face the fear of unexpected change. Uh, how many of you don't like change, wherever you're seated there in your living room or at your computer, or um, if you're driving your car listening to this message later on, don't take both hands off the wheel, but how about one hand up? Why don't you raise it and said, I don't like change. I'm, I'm one of those. I don't care for change. I like my rut. I like to stay in it. I like steadiness. I like predictability. 
And the only thing I like less than change is unexpected change. That's the worst kind of change. Uh, the Indian film composer uh, Ili Raja said, Life is not what you expect. It is made up of the most unexpected twists and turns. And, and that's the adventure of following Jesus. There will be a lot of unexpected change. There will be a lot of things and areas of our life where he asks us to change and twists and turns, but that's the adventure that Jesus calls us to. It says in Luke 2, verse 8, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, there it is again, do not be afraid. Imagine if the shepherds, uh, because of their fear of unexpected change, their, their fear of the angels breaking into their ordinary routine, how they would have missed out on the greatest story in all of human history, the Christmas story, the story of Jesus. They would have missed out because of fear of change. And let me ask you another question. What change is God asking you to do? Is there an area of your life that he's asking you to change? And the fear of change is having you miss out on the adventure of fulfilling God's purpose for your life. Maybe following Christ is the big change. Uh, Christ calls you to follow him. And yet for fear of change, the changes that that'll uh, occur in your life because of a result of that decision, that's keeping you from making that. Is the fear of change uh, keeping you from all that God wants you to experience in this life as you follow him in every area of your life. And then the fourth uh, fear is King Herod faced the fear of losing control. That was his big fear, the fear of losing control. Now, Herod was the king of the Jewish people. Uh, he was actually the king of Judea, the southern part of Israel. And he was hated by the Jewish people because he wasn't fully a Jewish. And Herod was paranoid of losing his throne. We read about this in the Bible, but we also read about it in all kinds of histori history, historical pieces and uh, from that time period as well, uh, pieces from antiquity that were written about uh, Herod. He was paranoid of losing his throne. He was so paranoid of conspiracy theories that history tells us not just the Bible, but history books tell us that he had his brother-in-law killed for fear of him taking over the throne. He had his mother killed. He had his wife assassinated. He had two of his sons assassinated. So when Herod hears that Jesus, the king of the Jews, is being born, he absolutely freaks out. He doesn't want his throne to be usurped, so he orders and again, this comes from secular historical sources as well as from the Bible. He orders the death of every baby in Bethlehem under two years of age to try to prevent Jesus from being born. It says in Matthew 2, verse 1, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is this newborn, where is the newborn King of the Jews. We saw his stars that rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone 
in Jerusalem. Now, Herod is the only one of the five that we're looking at uh, from the Christmas story uh, today. He's the only one who doesn't get a fear not. Mary gets a fear not. Joseph gets a fear not. The shepherds get a fear not. Zechariah, in a moment, we're going to see, gets a fear not. He's the only one that doesn't get a fear not. Because when you're fighting God's control in your life, you should be afraid. When you're unwilling to give up the control of your life over to God, either the, your whole life or areas of your life, uh, he doesn't get a fear not because you should be afraid. That, that should be the one thing where we should be afraid of is us having control of an area of our life and not allowing God to have that control. You've got to lose control of your life if you want to get God's blessing on your life. You've got to lose control of each area of your life if you want God's blessing on that area of your life. So let me ask another question. Where in your life am I, where am I struggling with giving God control? Where in your life are you struggling with giving God control of that area? Because it is only when you release control to God that you'll receive the full blessing that he wants to give to you in that area. And then number five, uh, Zechariah faced the fear of being disappointed, uh, the fear of disappointment. Uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, there can be no deep disappointment when there is not deep love. Uh, he also uh, wrote, we must accept finite disappointment, but never lose infinite hope. And then I love this quote by George Foreman, the famous boxer. He said, evil lurks where disappointment lodges. The evil lurks where disappointment lodges. There is a danger in disappointment. That's where we get bitter against God, is when we, when we uh, in moments of disappointment with God. I've seen so many people that just turn their backs on what God has for their life. In following God, they, they, they make the terrible mistake of walking away from God because of disappointment. See, Zechariah uh, had asked, and, and his wife Elizabeth as well, they had asked God so many times for a child. And he and his wife had been disappointed so many times before that he was afraid of being disappointed um, yet again. And let me ask you, has that ever happened to you? Uh, you're afraid to fall in love again. Or you're afraid to go after your dream. Or you've been disappointed with God, so you don't want to follow him anymore. I, I read that so many times when I'll read the biography of people. You know, sometimes I'll, I'll look up, if you're, if you're watching a movie or whatever, you'll look up in Wikipedia, the actor or the actress, um, and, and you read about their life. And, and there's a theme. So many times they'll say something like they, they had a friend die when they were in high school, or they had a parent die, or somebody close to them. And because of their disappointment with God, that's when they walked away from God. I was talking to a young man, a young leader at our church here just the other day, and he had lost his mother uh, when she was, was fairly young, and he was fairly young. Uh, lost his mother be before the time, uh, before she was older, before he was older. And he said, for a time I was disappointed with God, but then I realized we asked God to go to heaven uh, through Christ, we ask God for our family to go to heaven. 
And then God takes my mom to go to heaven. And am I really going to just say, well, forget you, God, and walk away from God? Am I going to do that? Just walk away from God when he actually answers my prayer in that area? Uh, What a a terrible uh, decision that is. What a terrible choice that is when we are disappointed because we don't understand the ways of God and he may be working something out that's a great blessing for us. But because we don't trust him, we're disappointing in him. Evil lurks where disappointment lodges. Don't walk away from God because of disappointment. He's got a bigger plan, a master plan for your life that is above and beyond our comprehension. Uh, It says in Luke chapter 1, verse 11, Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, Zechariah, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Don't walk away from God because of disappointment. It might very well be that your prayer has been heard and he is working out something for your good in that situation. Now, which one of those five fears do you identify with the most? Or maybe rank them, one to five, the ones that you're dealing with the most in your life. So now let's finish with the question. How can you defeat the fears that hold you back? How can you defeat the fears that hold you back? And here's the answer. Do the things God told them to do at the first Christmas. Do the things God told them, specifically Mary, we're going to look at, at the first Christmas. There are three things that God uh, asked Mary to do and asked us to do. Number one, surrender my life completely to God. In Luke 1, verse 38, Mary said, I am the Lord's servant, and I am willing to do whatever he wants. May everything you said come true, and then the angel disappeared. You switch driver's seats with God. You stop the car. You're in the driver's seat. You get out. You say, God, you take the steering wheel. And God slides in behind that steering wheel. You get in the passenger seat. And you turn control over him. Just like Mary said, this is a hard thing to understand. I'm afraid, but God, I turn control of my life over to you. We do the same thing. And then number two, base your hope on the promises of God. There are 7,000 promises that God gives us in, in the Bible. Base your hope on the promises of God. Mary did that as well. Luke 1, 45 The angel said, you are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. And then number three, receive God's Christmas gift to you. I don't believe that you're watching this right now by accident. I believe it is by, or you're listening to this by accident. I believe it is by divine appointment. And I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer with me that says three words, First of all, sorry. God, I'm sorry for the sin or the wrongdoing in my life. Wave, wave, I've uh, hurt other people. I haven't loved other people the way that I should and the ways that I've not lived up to God's standard. I'm sorry. But thank you, Jesus, that you came into that world that first Christmas. You were born, you lived a perfect life, and you died on the cross, and then you rose from the grave so that I could be forgiven for that which I'm sorry about. And then please, 
Please come into my heart and be my Savior and be my Lord, be my King and be my leader. I, I want to overcome my fear of change. I want to overcome my fears that we looked at here today in order to, to follow you from this point forward. So would you pray with me as I pray out loud? Oh God, I am sorry for the wrong in my life. I'm sorry for the sins in my life. I am so sorry, but thank you that through Jesus, I can be forgiven. If I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord, and I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead, uh, that I will be saved. Thank you for sending Jesus so that I could be uh, made right with you and live with you for eternity. Please be my savior. Please forgive me. And from this day forward, I turn control of my life over to you. Would you be my leader? Would you be my king? Would you be my Lord? And I pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody who agrees with me, wherever you are right now, listening to this or watching this, just say out loud with me, amen. And one more time, say it out loud with me, amen and amen.